Bigger Warriors. I'm Tim Sandlin, producer of the Chevron's podcast. On this month's episode, we've mixed it up a little bit and have some of our junior enlisted take over the program. Senior Airman Joseph Chobbs of our communications flight and president of the Rising Six Council leads a discussion of fellow junior enlisted as they talk about their reasons for joining and their reasons for staying in the Air National Guard. Hi, my name is Senior Airman Joseph Chavs. I'm part of the 102nd Intelligence Wing and really glad to be here with everyone. Um, we have a really great opportunity today with a junior enlisted panel. We have a couple of staff sergeants and a couple of senior airmen, and we're just going to get right into it. Three questions, and we're just hoping to have a talk with everyone, and hopefully we can come away with some acceleration of change so we don't lose. So I have with me right now Sergeant Renimi. If you want to start, we'll just talk a little bit. What makes you you? Um, hello, I'm Staff Sergeant Hannah Rainimi. Um, what makes me me? Well, uh, I grew up in a family of eight kids. I'm the oldest. Um, and when I was growing up, I was really involved in Civil Air Patrol, which kind of got me interested in uh, the military. Uh, right now, I live in New Bedford um, with my daughter and my fiance. And um, when I'm not at work, I like to hang out with her and uh, I like to work out, and other than that, I'm uh, five classes away from my bachelor's degree in psychology. That's so awesome. Other than that, yeah, that's me. Cool, Sergeant Parker. Yep, uh, so I'm Sergeant Parker. I uh, grew up, just a little bit about me, I grew up in uh, the western part of the state, so more rural. Uh, that's kind of followed me towards here. Uh, outside of the Air Force, I like to farm a lot, uh, Cucumbers, I like to make pickles. Cool. Uh, nickname is Pickles <laughs> around here. Um, I also like, I have ducks, chickens, uh, you name it. I like the farm. Uh, big passion of mine. Um, yeah, I think that's about all I got. Awesome. All right, we got um, Senior Airman Clark. Hello, uh, Senior Airman Clark here. Uh, I am 24 years old. I grew up in the South Shore, uh, Braintree, Brockton, Norwood. A lot of the towns have a lot of family in the South Shore. Um, uh, I've always been a very adventurous person, always trying to do things that I've never done before and always just always get the biggest experience out of life. Um, a few of the hobbies that I have, it's just kind of peculiar. Not your specific person would do this, but uh, I've always been collecting fish. Um, wow from uh, three different lakes within Africa, and I breed them, and I raise them, and I sell them sometimes. It's a very fun hobby for me to do. Um, very relaxing is the fish hobby for myself. Um, outside of work, I also like to work out a lot, just keep up with my body. It helps get uh, a lot of the stress in today's world out of me, so um, I like to work out a lot as well. That's great. I have to ask, what are what are some of the implications of bringing the fish over from Africa? Is it more difficult? Do you need bigger tanks, special equipment? Um, so right now I have two pretty large tanks, 120-gallon tank and then a 75-gallon wow. tank. So um, I have people that actually receive them from overseas. So they're actually wild-caught from Lake Tanganyika, Lake Victoria, and Lake Malawi. So these are very uh, speci like very special, very rare fish that you they wouldn't find. It's not expensive. At. Uh, it depends. So I, I usually collect like the rare breeds. So I'll invest in a rare breed and then I'll start to breed them. And then it's pretty cheap from there on out. Wow. That's very interesting. I think that's a lot more interesting than me. So, uh, <laughs> I'm Airman Shavs. Um, who I am? Well, I, I can't help but say that I'm a Christian first and foremost, and everything I do is, uh, to bring glory to God. That's how I identify myself. 
and everything comes out of that. And, and from there, I love my country. I love my family. And that's it. I really, I just try to live for others. I try to serve. But part of that is also making sure that I don't burn out. And that's, uh, that can be tough for me because I can, I can always want to say yes. And then, you know, I'm in situations like this where I'm just sitting here, I'm sure shaking just as much as you guys. But uh, the way that I do take care of myself is I like to go for hikes uh, and, and really just walk and think and get out of my own head, so to speak, because there's a lot going on. I try not to think about too, too much. I'm a heavy thinker. And other than that, I love cars. I'm a gearhead. And I love tinkering. That was my highest score in the ASVAB was uh, mechanical. So I can kind of look at things and see how they work. And that's a lot about a lot about me. I'm from Fall River. I was born in Fall River and moved back there. I live in my dad's and my parents' apartment building. It's nice. It helps in this economy that I can rent. I don't pay a ton for rent, but I can kind of treat it like my own. I don't know many other people who can kind of move into their first apartment after getting married and completely tear down the walls, repaint it, refinish the floors, and do pretty much whatever I want. And, hey, Dad, I did this. He's like, what? No, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But that's that's me. That's a lot of, not too much. I don't want to talk too much about me. But I know we have some other some other good questions. So we're going to keep going around and try and talk about that. So, Sergeant Ranimi, why did you why did you join the Guard? Why did you join the Air Force? Um, so, as I mentioned before, I was in Civil Air Patrol. I, I started when I was 12. Um, it's called the Auxiliary of the Air Force. So, we ki- I kind of... Um, learned about the military through them, and it, it got me interested in it. Uh, but the big thing is, being the oldest of eight, my parents always told me that if I wanted to go to college, um, then I needed to either pay for it myself or join the military. So hmm. I joined the military. Obviously, the Guard, uh, the Massachusetts Guard, has really good education benefits that I've taken advantage of. Sure. So, And being almost five classes away, pretty much five classes away, I, I'm – almost reached my goal of getting that bachelor's degree. So that's really why why I joined in the first place. Would you say the Air National Guard really, other than facilitating the financial aspect of it, helped encourage you and hold you accountable to pursue your education and, and get your bachelor's degree f- five classes from now? Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of people around here are getting their bachelor's degrees, and I see other people accomplishing what I've been trying to accomplish. So I think it really pushes me to, to just get it done. And, and they also allow a flexibility for me when I'm going through finals or, or things like that um, to be able to focus on school as well, which I think a lot of workplaces um, don't. So, yeah, I think they definitely have. The That's great. It's a really great benefit, uh, the Air National Guard. And I, I love that the Air Force in general really holds us accountable to pursue our professional education, you know, our PME, and then outside as well. So I know that's a big aspect of the, of the Guard. Sergeant Parker, why did you join the Guard? Uh, I was kind of just like a normal high school kid, uh, flying by the seat of my pants, not really knowing what I was going to do after graduation. Uh, and then it kind of hit me like, uh, I have nothing uh, College is way too expensive. Mm. No way I can do that. My parents weren't going to pay for it. Uh, and then I had to thank my sister, who's actually in the med group on base. Uh, she told me about this uh, awesome job that I could have. And I was like, oh, that's great. And she's like, you have $20,000. It's a sign-on bonus. And I was like, I've never seen $20,000 in my life. Right. <laughs> that's amazing. Somebody's just going to give me 20000 to sign in. Okay, I'll do that. Uh, from there, I mean, the story writes itself. Joined the Air Force. Didn't really know what to expect. Uh, I had no intentions of joining when I 
first like was thinking about college or any of that, I was like, oh, I'll just do the regular college thing, go into way too much debt and figure out life from there. Uh, I'm actually glad I did join because, again, like um, Sergeant Ryan Neamey was saying, sorry about that. Uh, it, it, they pay for your benefits to, uh, to further your education, which is awesome. Um, Um, yeah, so I've been, I've been doing that as well. Uh, going to, uh, Bridgewater at first, transferring nice. over to UMass Dartmouth for, uh, mechanical engineering. Um, so I'm glad I took advantage of doing this instead of going into all that debt. Uh, it's really helped me out. And, uh, I don't think I could do anything different actually at this point. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So you got a few gears in your head yourself. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah. Where your, where your brain thinks. What about, what about you, sir? Why'd you join the Air Guard? Uh, well... Throughout high school, I've always had an interest in the military. And then, you know, when it came to graduating high school, it came to be more of a reality for me. And I had to take a second to think, all right, you know, I had to learn the difference between our active duty military, reserve military, mm. and National Guard. And I took plenty of time uh, while I was already in school. I wanted to go to school first uh, to mature more and learn more about responsibility and being on my own. Um, but again, so up until my second year or sophomore year in college going to Merrimack College pursuing a physics physics bachelor's um, again school became to be very expensive to me um, I knew that it was just like a weird time where like all I could see was military we'll pay for your school we'll pay for your school um, so initially uh, one of the first things that encouraged me to join the military was the educational benefits yeah. and then uh, one thing that was big on me was family I didn't want to go uh, well, it sounds nice to travel the world and being in the active duty, but I my, my primary goal was my education, and I wanted to finish that here in Massachusetts and not leave my family. So looking at the National Guard, it was most suitable for me to join the National Guard. Um, and then once I joined, I realized uh, how beneficial it was to me as a person. Yeah. Um, and a big thing is, as I said earlier, about me being adventurous. Um, no one in my family has ever been in the military. So I think that was a very big thing for me to do and to set forward and to show that my family that it's, you know, it's very achievable and it's something that I want to do. And, you know, your, your stereotypical pa parents, when you break the news to them, if you want to join the military, they get like, you know, the bad s stereotypes. Oh, we're going to go to war. You know, things <laughs> can go bad. You know, just yeah. parents being looking out for their children, being very uh Cautious. Cautious, being like, you know, wa wanting the best for them. However, um, I'm sticking with it right now. And, uh, yeah, those, those are some of the reasons why I joined. That's awesome. Thank you, Aaron Clark. And for myself, uh, a, a lot of the same there. I remember sitting down with my parents and being like, all right, so here's here's the situation. Um, not doing great financially. Uh, I've made a few mistakes. I was trying life insurance. I was privately licensed in Massachusetts. And just... It didn't, it didn't pan out. I was selling policies, but then they would, like, cancel them. Or one particular guy, you know, they found a, a history and a certain medication that he was on, and they canceled the policy on him, and I, I just I couldn't sustain it, and it was stressful. Like, you know what? I need to, I need to just make a, an honest living and go to work, do what I'm told, and get paid for it. I looked at my mother, and I was like, I'll do very well in the military, it's my mindset. I'm gung-ho, and I, I can follow orders, and I like working as part of a team. And same thing. Uh, she was so worried. She's like, well, what if, what if we go to war? What if you get deployed? 
I'm like, well, you know, mom, let's, uh, let's not go there. But this wasn't the first time that we had had this conversation because right out of high school when I was 17, uh, there was a Marine recruiter in the, in the lunchroom. And I remember the entire time just sitting there and looking around and seeing if anyone would go up and talk to this guy, you know, and he's in his dress uniform looking sharp like every single Marine does. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to go talk to the Marine recruiter. So I go and talk to him. He's, of course, excited because no one's come up to him the entire lunch period. And I remember going to the recruiting uh, station afterwards. He just, right after school got out, he took me there. And I was like, all right. He, of course, he wanted me to sign. My, my um, what helped me not be completely emotional and signing like right then and there was I was still 17. So he's like, well, you do need your parents' signature. All right, I'll, I'll sell it to my parents, you know. And like, well, Joey, you know, um, I think it's great that you want to join the military, but uh, we, we don't want you to join the Marines. Nothing against the Marines, but they, we just don't think it's really you. I'm not a, I'm not a big guy, you know. I've got a big heart, and I like planning, and I can definitely be overly optimistic. So, you know, I can picture myself as a six foot five, 250-pound, you know, warfighting machine, but it's not me. I'm 150 pounds. I'm five foot nine on a good day. So they're like, why don't you join the Navy? And I'm like, all right, well, I'll join the Navy. And I was thinking of a submarine because on my 17-year-old brain, it was, uh, well, they have the best food in the fleet. I heard lobsters and flank steaks. And I said, yeah, nine months underwater, that's fine. I'll, uh, I'll go eat food. I'll be great. And, you know, now I, I work in an intelligence wing where I don't even have windows. And I'm like, please, please let me outside. I just want to see the light. And I can't, I can't imagine being on a submarine. But the Navy didn't pan out at the time. They weren't, they weren't looking for guys like me. And they actually turned me away, and I was crushed. I was absolutely crushed. I thought that's what God had for me in my life. I thought that's what I was supposed to do. And I was so emotionally distraught. I wrote a 60,000-page book on of just what it was to be like human and what makes us strong and I came to the conclusion that our weaknesses make us stronger because uh, they turned me away because I have a slight curve in my back they were like well you're not perfectly physically perfect so you know you, you're not what we're looking for they didn't even send me to MEPS fast forward to that conversation with my parents I go to MEPS and they like, yeah, you got a slight curve in your back. No worries. It's like seven degrees. You want to know what disqualifying is at MEPS is like 40 degrees. So well within, I didn't need a waiver or anything, well within the, the regulation. But here I am at 27 years old, absolutely loving life. I still get to do my dream. I still get to join, uh, join the military, serve my country. I didn't, get to, I didn't have to leave home. I got to be right here in Massachusetts, so I still get to serve in my local church. I still, I still get to be, go to my family dinners probably tonight, every other Friday, and I get to serve in the world's greatest Air Force. So the Air National Guard is everything I'd ever hoped for, and I'm so happy with the opportunities that the Guard has given me. So I guess that brings us to our last question, and probably where we'll spend the most of our time talking. Why would we reenlist? What would make us stay? What changes do we want to see where do we want to bring our Air Force? So, Sergeant Renimi, we'll start with you again. Would you like to see change or maybe nothing? What would make you stay? Um, well, I think the one of the big reasons that I stay in the Guard now uh, is it's become my 
full-time employment. I'm an AGR, and I work uh, with the best people. I work for Colonel Riley, who uh, is such a great boss, and Colonel Gordon and Chief Hurl. He's our wing commander, right? He is our wing commander, yes. <laughs> <laughs> hope you guys know that. Um, uh, but, yeah, he, he's so great to work for. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I stay. Uh, another big reason why I stay uh, is because the, the child care waiver that I get um, through Child Care Aware. Um, obviously, everybody knows daycare is super expensive. Yeah. Um, so this waiver, actually, because I work full time, I get I pay less than half of what other people pay for daycare wow. for my daughter, which is is so great. You don't see that anywhere. So that's that's a big reason why I stay. Um, another reason why um, I get to work out three times a week during work hours. Yeah. I, that's you don't see that anywhere in any other workplace. Um, so that that is another reason why I stay. Um, I also have a lot of friends here. Uh, I think mm -hmm. this this unit does a really good job. This wing does a really good job of uh, morale and keeping people close. And we just had the burger burn and the dunk tank, yes. which was awesome. Was I know you were really in involved in that as well. Um, so I think that they have a lot of events that that make this uh, more of a home than just a workplace, mm. which I really enjoy. Um, yeah, so I, I see myself staying here, doing 20 years, hopefully full time. And uh, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, that resonates with me for sure. Sergeant Parker? Yeah, uh, like you were kind of hitting on earlier, a uh, big part of why I stay here is uh, it's home at this point. Uh, like I said before, I was in the western part of the state, but I've now relocated, uh, bought a home here. Good for you. Yeah, yeah, it was a little hard right during the, uh, the curb. A little, little bit hard, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we made it work, and uh, I'm here now. Uh, I like it here. Uh, there's not a better place in the state to be. We got beautiful beaches. You can't complain. Uh, beautiful all beautiful year round. Beautiful Cape Cod. Beautiful Cape Cod. Um, another reason uh, that was already hit on is it's kind of like a family here because mm -hmm. uh, it's a guard base. Uh, you got a lot of people that are from around here. Uh, they know their ways around here. They've been around here since they were little kids. So uh, you kind of connect a lot easier uh, with each other, but it's also – very easy to bring someone in to the family, uh, and they yeah. they uh, they connect with people really fast here. Uh, I've seen a lot of times they they come from active duty and they're like, oh, I like this environment way better because uh, I have a job here. I have the option to uh, not be here full time. I mm -hmm. can be just a regular drill status guardsman. Uh, I can get a job on the outside. Like, uh, it's a very unique opportunity to be in the guard. They, I think they once said it, it's. Uh, the best kept secret that we don't want secret is the National Guard yeah. for air. Uh, everyone knows, like, Army National Guard, but nobody really knows that we have an Air National Guard. I didn't know it existed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, everybody tells me that. They always assume, oh, you're in the Army. I'm like, uh, it's the Air National Guard. But, yeah, close enough. Uh, but, yeah, because you get to do whatever you want on the outside if you want to. It's really, like, a an awesome, like, ex experience and opportunity where – you kind of choose the path of your career. For sure. Whereas active duty, they're, they're choosing it for you, but you have a little bit of input. Yeah, you that's something I, mean? I wasn't really ready for either. I mean, I somewhat anticipated it, but the amount of doors that is open to us just by being part of the Air Guard is phenomenal. So many opportunities. Exactly. Yeah, it just prepares you for either a deeper military career or a civilian you know, career in the private sector. Yep. Uh, yeah, that, that hits home for me as well. Aaron Clark. Um, again, to hit on some of the things that were already discussed, uh, physical fitness is a very 
big part of my life. Um, I ran track my whole life. I ran track in college. So um, the ability uh, and the flexibility to be able to work out during a work day is like, I, I love it. Um, another reason why that I would stay is the family aspect. Um, when I initially started working here, um, just one set of orders, not knowing if I was going to volunteer again. Um, it was, you know, I didn't really have much, ec- many like expectations, um, uh, but I was really blown away with uh, how much I've bonded so far um, with my coworkers. And um, I, I really like to work here, you know, truthfully, honestly, like I really like working here so far and I could see it going consecutive consecutive years in the future yeah um a quick background something you know a little personal story that i've actually experienced lately that i've actually been very blown away uh so two weeks ago so two sundays ago i got into a very terrible car accident on the highway i uh flipped my car on the highway going highway speed um somehow i crawled out of that incident unharmed and neither was the other operator um but it was a very life-changing moment for me and um reason why I'm telling this story is because the amount of support that I got from my supervision, my coworkers, uh, I was really blown away. Um, it was an extremely traumatic experience for me. And just thinking about it, you know, I think about it right now, every day I wake up, I'm very, it's very tough for me to drive right now. Mm. Um, but I remember I came into work two days, um, two days after the incident, just to prove to my coworkers that I'm physically okay. And also to, you know, let supervision know of all the details. And um, it was a little early for me to come into work after that experience. But um, my supervision, both officer and enlisted, I was blown away by the amount of support that I got. And everyone letting them, letting me know how much they're going to be there for me. And if there's anything that they they can do to help me feel better every step of the way um, was very, not not surprised. You know, I'm not going to say I didn't expect that, but it was very... Um, beneficial and it really helped me mentally to recover from the situation um, and this is coming from people that you either speak to every day mm-hmm. or these are people that you walk by every day and they don't even look at you but these people you know these co-workers are going out of their way to make me feel safe and make me yeah. feel like I'm not alone and um, that's one very big reason why I will stay in here because there's the, you know you don't really get that there's very few places in the world in the work for in the workspace that you would actually get that energy from the people that you work beside. Um, I've worked, I've had a variety of different jobs and I can tell you, I used to be a bartender. I used to work in retail. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to get that in retail. No. Um, but again, yeah, uh, the big family aspect and, you know, we're all one together and we all do everything, everything we can to help each other out. Um, no matter what the situation is, is what I like about this place a lot. Yeah, thank you for sharing that story. Cause, um, wow, I'm glad I'm glad you're okay, and I know all of us are. Cause it's not even just the people in your own squadron over there at the 101 IS. It's um, it's the whole wing, that one one of our own. It's that family aspect that you don't get in retail. I think they do try to <laughs> implement that. Like I worked at McDonald's. I mean they they want you to feel like you're part of a team. And you know what? That was I, I call it my best first job. It really was good, but. Being in the military, the Air National Guard, and here at the 102nd, it really is something that gives you a sense of being part of something that's bigger than yourself. And that's, that's really awesome. One thing I really like that the entire Air Force is doing is what General Brown put out uh, in 2020, and that's accelerate, change, or lose. I am so thankful that we are part of the Air Force in a time like today. 
because we have at the very top of our chain of command the chief of staff saying that he wants to empower airmen, that he wants to, you know, limit and smooth out the hurdles of bureaucracy. That's those are only two of his action orders, and from accelerate change or lose. I, I think that's absolutely phenomenal because now we're at a place where you have the chief of staff saying, "I want you to be heard," and I acknowledge that everyone has something valuable to be brought to the table. I think that's why we all feel like this is a family because back home, when you have that really strong family unit, you know that your family cares what you have to say. Home is home because it's where you're valued. It's where you're seen, heard, and understood. It's where you can speak. It's where you can vent. It's where you can say something that's incorrect and not be shunned or chastised for it. You're corrected, disciplined, but we're set straight and we're helped in doing it. It's not like a good home doesn't just tell you, hey, that's wrong, go figure it out. They do it with you. Hey, you know, that's not... That's not how we do things here in the guard. Let me show you how it's supposed to be done. You know, kind of that whole taking under your mentor's wing. I know I have a really great mentor. He's going to hate me for saying his name, but Sergeant Cardinelli is amazing. And I remember, I remember just being in tech school and just him calling me while I was walking up that tra- track at Keesler. And he's like, hey, how's it going? You know, you're studying for a security plus. Are you going to make it? I said, yes, sir. I said, you don't have to call me, sir. He's like, yes, I do. They just told me I have to call you, sir. <laughs> no, you don't. But on the note of accelerate, change, or lose, what do you guys feel like would accelerate change? Because right now, I mean, we were just invited on the, on the Chevron so we can be heard. I mean, speak your mind or forever hold your peace. Here's your, here's your opportunity. No particular order. Let's just let's just chew this out. Uh, yeah, one thing I'd say uh, is uh, a thing I'd love to see because uh, I think it'd benefit every member of the wing uh, would be a track, a proper track with a field to do sports activities. That uh, I think <coughs> we're already a family, and uh, I think putting that in would bring us together closer. We could. Uh, have competitions between different units. Yeah. Uh, really get, like, the competitiveness out. It's a really great way to get out stress. And like uh, Clark was saying, like, the, the gym facilities here, are, they're there, they're they're good, they're great. But uh, if you were to improve upon that, I think uh, everybody would, would love it because uh, a lot of us have long drives. Yes. And uh, one thing you don't want to do after a long drive is go home, get changed, go to the gym. Yeah. Whereas, you're spent. You're absolutely yeah. spent. Whereas if you were to go to the gym here, you change here, gym takes five minutes. You know what I mean? Right. And there's your wingman cranking out one more rep than you are, and you're like, exactly. no, I'll do one more, and you can't, but you can't let him know that. Exactly. Right. It's, yeah. I love it. Absolutely yeah. love it. I'd like to relate what he said on the uh, gym aspect. So I live about you know 15 minutes, uh, f- not, not 15, 50 minutes yes. away. And um, one of the toughest things that I used to do, I don't do it so much anymore. I'm starting to transition into just working out here after mm-hmm. work or during work or whenever. Um, something that was really difficult to me, you know, I'd get out of work at 3 o'clock, drive home, I'd get home around like maybe 4 o'clock, change, drive 20 minutes to the gym. Mm. And, you know, I, I, when I work out, I work out, so it's going to take some time. And, I, you know, get sure. in the sauna afterwards. And, you know, I, I get home, and it's already 7 o'clock, and that's like my first time. After a long day, just sitting down and 
time to decompress. But, oh, I got to eat food. I got to do laundry. I got to do all this. So yeah. it's like 830, and I'm like, I don't have that time to just relax and, you know, um, use, utilizing all of the real estate on this base. You know, this is a very large base. There's so yes. much real estate on this base would be very beneficial uh, for anyone, whether you live five minutes away or 50 minutes away. It'll, it'll save us some time outside of work. Yeah. I like to talk about that, too, because you, you, everyone's talking about the gym facilities and, and working out and the long drive. I have a long drive as well, about 50 minutes from Fall River, Mass. But one thing I would just love to see, and this probably will open up a whole different conversation, but is in the gym maybe just a window? Just one. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm in a windowless room, and that's, that's tough. I do AWS. That's a nine-hour day. Um, I know you guys can be on Panama schedule, so you got 12-hour shifts sometimes. And to go to the gym facility, great. I love the gym equipment and everything, but also to not have any daylight or even moonlight, depending on when you're working out, um, that would be nice. What do you guys think about windows? Windows nice. Yeah, windows are nice. Yeah, yeah. I don't have a window in my office either, but I like to get out and walk around a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, uh, you got to. Yeah. Windows would be cool. Seems like a pretty simple solution, right? Uh, Us Intel guys, uh, we like to get windows as much as we can whenever we can because we don't get windows no no windows yeah whatsoever and you know the mission you can't have windows in certain places but um where you can have windows we like windows exactly and that's a whole other thing too and something that i would like to see in the air force especially this is this is like nationwide maybe even worldwide that you're seeing more of you're seeing more of like teleworking you're seeing more time out of the office. Really, this adaptation to the modern world. And again, I think that adapt that really embodies accelerate, change, or lose. So for career fields that can telework, I would like to see them have the opportunity to. Like for you guys, uh, that might be more difficult. But say there's a, a PME o- opportunity. Like you're on, you're on Title X. Uh, you might not be able to go to in-resident ALS but maybe when you are doing your distance learning ALS, maybe they could send you, you know, with a laptop once a week. That way you can just sit in the comfort of your own home, really focus um, in a well-naturally-lit environment uh, and focus on your PME. Like, there's so many options uh, for us that we can have. And I was talking with a chief on base and this is another action order, but he gets discouraged because he, he gets caught up with the bureaucracy. Have you guys ever felt like you've asked a question, want something, and then there's just red tape? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it happens everywhere. It's no knock against the, the guard or this wing. I mean, it's, it's normal when you have an organization this big. I mean, I, mean, I think we all, we all know it's impressive that an organization as large as the Air Force can do what it can do and manage this many people. I know I'm impressed, but... One thing that he says is, let's start with yes. Let's get to yes. So if we have something like windows or a track or a field so we can, you know, really live out the new Top Gun movie and, and play that uh, offense, defense at the same time, I mean, that's, that's going to build camaraderie, right? If we want to do that thing. We have, to, we have to start with yes because that's what, that's what I want to see, especially for my supervisors, is like when I come up to them, with a question, something like maybe food trucks. I know that's an initiative of our Rising Six Council here, our airmen to technical sergeants. You know, maybe just on drills, we can we can bring some food trucks on 
and people can just have that camaraderie and get a little bit of diversity in the menu. But instead of just asking like, hey, what do we think about food trucks, you know? And they're just like, ah, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. And that's fine. That may be completely true. But why don't we start with, yes, I like that idea. I think that's great. Let's figure out how we can get it done. And if we legitimately fail, we failed trying. I think that's something we've been heard, we've heard when we were young. Uh, we should never just give up before we've even started the run, right? Um, do you, you guys feel like, and I, I think I already know the answer to this question, but you feel like your supervisors care about your general well-being, right? Yeah, definitely. Yep, definitely. And sure. because I genuinely feel that they care, it encourages me, you know, I got my first airman um, that I have to train up underneath me where I have to fulfill that supervisor role and uh, train him up to be, yeah, uh, you know, tell him every, teach him everything that I know type of deal. And because I received that good supervi supervision experience uh, when I was brand new here, it really encourages me to uh, pass that down, pass down all the knowledge that I've learned so far onto that airman as well. Yeah, that's a very scary opportunity but uh, having someone under you and you know they hang on every word that you say and they're looking for for guidance um, is, is pretty crazy but on the note of people caring there's a really good quote it's actually our, our wing first shirt sergeant kenny has it in the signature block of her emails but it's uh by my favorite president president theodore roosevelt and he says uh people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I think one really big foot-stomping moment we've had during this discussion is that the 102nd Intelligence Wing cares. They genuinely care. You know, there's always going to be the hurdles in any organization, but I know my direct supervision cares. I can't speak any better of the comm flight here in the wing. Um, I had the opportunity of going to the all call, your commander's call at the 101 IS a couple weekends ago. And I got to see just how much, you know, your squadron cares as well and wants to empower the airmen. There was a staff sergeant and a senior airman who was told, like, hey, you have to get this done. And they got it done, and they got it done without supervision. And then they were rewarded for that, that they were able to just drive and get it done and not have to be, you know, hey, like, what do I do? But it wasn't just that they didn't ask, what do I do? There was no one there, like, helicopter mom, you know? There was no one just, like, oh, making sure. Like, you guys are trained professionals. You hold your five level, maybe your seven level. Um, and you guys know what you're doing. And that's really encouraging that they're just not letting you do that, but that they're rewarding you for doing so, because that's really important. So care. Care is, care is really important. How do you think we should deal with the people who, who don't care? Because I know we've run into people who kind of just want to delegate, not in power. They want to just say, hey, get this done, and they put their feet up on the desk. How do you deal with, with people that don't care or you feel like they don't care? Sorry, tough question. <laughs> Very tough. Um, I think that in the 102nd, um, we need to, regardless of rank, I know in the military it's it's big with, like, s your rank, you're able to say more, you feel like, or if you're a lower rank, you feel like you can't say something. If, if you see an action that's not uh, 
what the 102nd stands for. Um, but I think that um, since we are a family, and like you said, um, we are able to um, correct people yeah. um, if we feel like they're not doing something that other people would um, think is acceptable. I think that we need to be able to, to be brave enough uh, to be able to say, hey, I don't think that this action is uh, reflecting what the 102nd stands for. Mm. Uh, regardless of, of rank, I'm, I mean, I'm a staff sergeant. And I know a lot of people are higher rank than me, but uh, I think that we should be brave enough and, and it should be uh, accepted mm -hmm. um, throughout to be able to, to keep p other people accountable regardless of yeah. rank. Always respectful, always kind, but that's, again, why, yes, I, why I brought up Accelerate, Change, or Lose, because when you have the chief of staff, you know, saying from the top to empower airmen, I think that's our green light to at least know we can speak up and be heard. Mm -hmm. Always respectful, again, but um, we'd be lying if we said laziness didn't exist, if, you know, people were, weren't disrespectful, if people weren't mean, if things were never said that were hurtful or just plain out wrong. It happens, but it's nice knowing that we're part of an organization that at the top says this is right and this is wrong, and even as a staff sergeant, a senior airman, or an airman basic, you're allowed to speak up. I know my commander has an open-door policy, and it's just nice. You always use the chain of command as much as you can, but when we got our first shirts and our commanders and our chiefs and senior enlisted leaders just saying, hey, you know, come talk to me, anything and everything, it's, uh, it's good. I know my, my supervisor, he, he's always asking, how can I improve? Mm. That's really good. And one thing I have written down here is that leaders are leading servants. They're not necessarily, you know, the best at what they do, but they're more so the best at letting the best be the best. They, they facilitate, they encourage, they empower, they let go, they let us run. It's the kind of the pushing of the, of the bird out of the nest. It's, and there's so many great leaders here, and we don't have to focus on the bad. And you, always wanna, you always wanna see the light. But I think it's really good that we had nothing but good things to say about this wing because this is a wing of choice. This is a wing where we, we, where we want to re-up. And I will say one last thing, maybe we can discuss it too, but one thing that's encouraging to me is when I do hold, like Colonel Riley, for example, I hold him in a great, great light. I think he's a great wing commander. Um, but I think it would be awesome if he and others walked around and shook hands and just sat down at the desk sometimes. And I know that he does that, and I know that our officers do it. I've seen plenty come around, and every time I've, I've been able to interact with Colonel Riley and, and others, you know, he comes up, he shakes my hand, you know, he says, how are you doing, Colonel Gordon? It's, I mean, just great stand-up guys, but um, it's always that, like, down to earth. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that, uh, that picture of like an adult coming and talking to a child where they get down on one knee and they come down to their level. Mm -hmm. And when you have a full bird colonel coming down to the squadron level and then even the shop level, you're like, hey. And they sit down and you're like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do here? And they say, hey, what are you doing today? 
I think that's just so cool. And um, I know that would that would be a really great thing that uh, I would like to see. What do you What do you guys think about that? Uh, personally, it, it happens pretty often where we work. That's great. Um, you know, on a in our ped, which is you know which where the team sits, it's you know it's A one C senior hairman to like tech sergeant usually, and then maybe like a OIC, so an officer in charge. Um, and at any given moment, a full bird colonel or commander could walk in and always just, you know, sit down with you. Hey, yeah. how's your day going? What are you working on today? Um, what's, what's, what's the sit, sit rep? What's the situation going right. on? Um, so when you're in the workplace, it's always good to know that that can happen at any time. So it's, uh, it's good to carry yourself in a way where at any moment, anyone of any rank could sit down right next to you and look you dead in the eye Absolutely. and ask you, you know, no, not to intimidate you, but just to simply ask, just to see how you're doing. Right. That's what they want to know. They want to know how you're doing, what are you up to, you know, just want to hear from you. Yeah, just relate on a human level. Yeah, you know? I think uh, another thing, instead of them, sometimes they don't just kneel down to your level, they actually would put you on stilts and bring you up yeah, that's to their awesome. level with, uh, like, the council you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a great example. A lot of times they try to bring you up and make sure that you know your voice is heard. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, so one example I know uh, coming off of, like, the whole pandemic, uh, we hadn't had a lot of TDYs, obviously travel restrictions. Uh, I made it pretty, not clear, but I, I spoke my mind uh, to a few people about how I uh, I wish we had more opportunity to go TDY because uh, since I had joined uh pandemic kind of took that away and I hadn't been on a single TDY yet. Staff sergeant now. Yeah. And I was like, oh, everyone's talking about these TDYs, how great it is to go see the world. Uh, the opportunity came back just like that. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, we have p- people going all over the world now, like so many opportunities. I know a lot of people are happy with that. I'm not going to lie. That's awesome. Yeah. I think um, working in the front office, it gives me like a unique perspective to mm. see just how much Colonel Riley and Colonel Gordon do as the wing commander and the vice wing commander. Like I'm saying, these these colonels come in at 6 a.m. and sometimes they don't leave till wow. 8 or 9 o'clock at night. Like I, I control their schedule. I put in meetings and, mm. and stuff like that. And uh, it's crazy how much they do in a day and how, yeah. how much they have to deal with. Right. Um, and I think personally Colonel Gordon and Colonel Riley do an amazing job of, of getting out and walking around. Mm. And I know that the events coming up that um, they've poured their heart into the, the ball that's coming up in November um, mm-hmm. and uh, the family day that's coming on, up in September. Those are the events where they um, are able to really talk one-on-one um, with everybody there. Um, and I know um, they do that during the, the work day as well. But, uh, yeah, I think I think they do uh, a great job of just uh, learning what's going on in the wing yeah. uh, with dealing with their insanely busy schedules. I so, can only imagine. Yeah, it, it's crazy. I, I, didn't, I was a DSG in the medical group before um, I got this full-time job as a personnelist, and I have learned so much more about what goes on in this wing, at a wing level, yeah. um, than opposed to a unit level. So it's, Thank it's you for cool. bringing that perspective to the table. I, that's what's really great about Chevron's is we do get to share our different perspectives and we get to encourage one another and we get to show each other like, hey, this is what I think's going on. This is what's actually going on. Well, on, on that note, it's, um, it's amazing how important it is for any of us, but especially leaders to really reach out um, 
and say, you know, here I am and I do care um, because it's, it's a shame. And this is just on, again, the world stage, how quickly the, the eyes of the people can go sideways. And they're like, oh, yeah, I don't like so-and-so anymore. When they're trying, when they're pouring their heart out, like look at the president of the United States. Um, anytime anything, and I'm talking just generally presidents, um, anytime anything goes right, the president gets the credit. Anytime anything goes wrong, the president is blamed. You know, whether he was directly involved or not. And it's like that for any level. And um, I think we all can agree then that our leaders here at the wing, uh, from the wing commander down, are doing a great job uh, about letting us know that they do care. And I'm glad that they that you said that, Sergeant Renimi, and because everyone who listens to this podcast is is going to know that. And I hope um, they continue to do so. And I know everyone is going to continue to work hard for them as they're working hard for us because we're we're one one big team. So I think that's all we have here. If anyone else has any closing comments. Awesome. Well, thank you all again, Sergeant Ranimi, uh, Staff Sergeant Parker, Aaron Clark, and myself, Aaron Chavs. I'm really glad for this opportunity we had on Chevron's today to just sit around this table and hash it out and encourage one another. So thank you all again. Thanks for having us. Thank you.